Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. Tony, what's going on, man? How are things? Uh, the things are going. Things are going well. Things are going uh as about as well as could be expected. I'm kind of starting to get cabin fever a little bit. Oh, me not too. really being able to entertain myself. However, tenants provide at least marginal entertainment <laughs> from time to time. That's, so that sounds not good. Uh, it's not bad, not good, not really anything. Um, the new thing that we've been dealing with has been on our vacant units. We have a lot of people look at them. However, they're trying to qualify to rent the apartment with unemployment income. So they're saying like, I make, mm. you know, however much money on unemployment, that's three times the rent. I don't know why I can't qualify. We're like, well, one of our qualifications for renting the apartment is that you have a job and you do not have a job yeah so this is very much a yes or no rejection here and then some people are like i don't understand blah 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 blah. and then they go into their story about how you know they're laid off but their job's coming back after covid and blah 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 blah. and we get into the whole conversation on story people where it's like buddy i feel for you like on a human level but like we're not friends this isn't (laughs) charity like i mean i don't know you don't qualify and it always brings up the same topic in my brain where it's like if you make the exception for this person it means you need to make the exception for every person forever yeah so as much as it might make sense at the time don't accept people on unemployment income bad bad move um just tell them to go get a job and then come back yeah (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to help people, but you get in some hot water for sure. I'm with. You. Yeah, I mean, on a productive level, we've told some people like you can try to get a voucher to find an apartment. Like, try to talk to Section Eight, and that might help you get an apartment somewhere else. Like, we don't do Section Eight, but we just give them the contacts to go. You know, talk to the right people to try to get the voucher, rather yeah. than trying to qualify an unemployment. Um, we have had unemployed people offer to pay like a whole year in advance though. And we've actually considered that like we've, Hmm. I'm okay with that. Like if you pay me for the whole year up front, then whatever. Wow. Yeah. Those are, uh, called drug dealers where I'm from, but that's interesting. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) they're going to turn your house into a grow house. You're going to have very high electricity Uh, bills. (laughs) That's my two cents on that. To be honest, a lot of them actually have been borrowing it from their retirement accounts. Oh, wow. Because they're unemployed. So they just borrow like a lump sum from their they just take a retirement account. Wow, that's, boy, that's, I think, directly orthogonal to the mission of this podcast. <laughs> something Indeed. That is anti-free, Ari. Something like that. <laughs> 
So. Yeah, that's uh, that's not not uh, part of the financial independence. Yeah, part that we don't we we probably should touch on that more in this show. But yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think today we're going to be talking about LLCs. Uh, and how to protect. great transition very seamless yeah i had no idea how to get us into there <laughs> but uh yeah that's what's been going on in our world we decided not to start an llc so we're going to talk about llc's today because we have a couple questions we have one from dean he's just asking for you know at a high level some blocking and tackling questions about setting one up and is it recommended um and then we have another another question uh from the mailbag and it's kind of about the logistics of if you decide to do an LLC, how do you essentially enter into uh, using it properly? So, with that, let's pop over into Dean's question. Hey guys, this is Dean Aragoni from Los Angeles. I wanted to know what your thoughts are on setting up LLCs for your properties. Do you hold any properties in your own name or do you create an LLC for each property or do you hold multiple properties in an LLC? Also, when setting up an LLC, I know doing it through an attorney is advisable, especially for the first time, but would you ever consider using an online platform like LegalZoom to set up any further LLCs down the road if it was for similar properties? Thanks. All right. So you said the blocking and tackling, but that question covers the blocking, tackling, passing, <laughs> yeah, <all> catching, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was <laughs> juke very, move, trucking. Very good question. I'm, uh, I suspect we, Touchdown. Uh, we paid Dean to call in, but we didn't. So, uh, No, this, this show doesn't have that kind of budget. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell by our yeah. production. Um, Okay, so first part of that is should you get an LLC? The answer is it depends. Saw that one coming. <laughs> those are the uh, those are the best answers, right? I feel like every answer in real estate ends with it depends. Yeah. So so um, when is it advisable? When is it not advisable? In your opinion, we don't have any on our end, so I actually yeah. don't know the when side. So obviously, there's the consistent disclaimer that you should consult your attorney and accountant because we're, we're not attorneys or accountants. We're just dudes that aren't professionally qualified to give you an answer. <laughs> uh, but I do have LLCs, uh, properties and LLCs, and I do have properties in my personal name. So I have both. Um, the benefit to the properties in the personal name is that you generally get better financing terms. Mm -hmm. So if you do an LLC, you're not going to be able to get like a 30-year fixed type mortgage thing, at least not anywhere that I've been able to find yet. So the benefit to your personal name is that your financing terms are going to be better. That's really the only benefit mostly and it's just simpler to buy that way there's nothing else to set up plus not as much expense on accounting or anything that kind of thing it's just a little bit simpler um the negatives are that obviously then people know what you own so you're more open to being sued and losing your personal assets if you do get sued um additionally like to getting sued there, you also just don't have anonymity. So like the tenants know that you're the owner. So it's very easy for them to see like who actually owns their property. So if you ever run into a weird situation with a tenant and they actually wanted to find you, they, they could, um, 
which I didn't used to think about, but I've had weird situations with tenants where I was like, I should have a PO box and not my name on the property. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other benefit to the personal name is that in addition to just 30 years, you can get owner occupant mortgages. So if you're going to live in it and do like a house hack type situation, it kind of, it has to be in your own name. You can't really do that. I mean, you can do it with an LLC, but you won't get any of the advantages of an owner occupant loan that way. Um, so those are some of the advantages of the personal name. Uh, the LLC route, obviously you get anonymity. So people aren't as easily to, at least most people can't find out who, who you are as easily. If you really dig, you can find out who owns the LLC. Like you can cross you can find like the mailing address. You can look up who owns the house that the mailing address goes to, or you can go on the LLC registration site and get the members and stuff like that. But it's a second layer that most average people aren't really going to dig through. Mm. Um, so there's some of that. As long as you do your operations correctly with like how you spend money, make sure you don't commingle accounts, make sure you keep everything separate. Then there's legal protections, which if you want to learn more about those legal protections, that's where you should consult the attorney, right? Um, and then depending on how you set up your LLC and what your business is, there can also be tax advantages too, like with how you file your business, whether it's like an S corp or all those different things that I'm also not qualified to give you answers on. You should talk to an accountant. However, I know that they can exist, so it's something that's worth going down that path if you really want to assess it. Um, and those are some of the advantages of the LLC. The primary thing, though, is just going to be that protection of your personal assets part of it. That's why people have the limited liability corporation. It's literally in the name. <laughs> so um, that's, uh, yeah, that's some of it, I guess. The kind of crossover way that you can do it if you own them in your personal name is you can get like an umbrella insurance policy, which is what we have for our personal properties. It's just like policy. It's insurance on top of your homeowner's insurance. So if you get sued for something and the lawsuit exceeds your homeowner's coverage, you'll be covered through the umbrella policy. Um, anything that you can think of? Uh, those are the main ones, I think. From my standpoint, you know, we, we are more on the house hack side, so we do the umbrella policy, which, like you said, is insurance on top of insurance. Uh, I believe there's a homestead that you can also get, which essentially says if you ever do get sued, uh, they, they can't take your primary residence from you. So that's mm. some, something you should talk to a legal professional about, but so you, you have benefits there. Uh, like you said, with the LLC, you have to, uh, like manage your accounts properly. Cause if you have an LLC, but you're spending money in and out and you're mixing it up, it doesn't matter. Uh, and my, my wife is a basically a professional bookkeeper and she sees a lot of that. And it's essentially, you know, you're just paying your $500 LLC fee, uh, maybe to satisfy investors, but it's not going to have much legal, uh, support for you. That's what they talk about when they say, like, piercing the corporate veil. Exactly. That's commingling accounts is usually what gets people. And then it's like, then the attorney just uses that as a way to go after your personal assets, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I think the only thing that would, you know, for where I am, the only reason I would set up an LLC is if I uh, was going to use, like, investment money. Uh that would be essentially the, you know, just to have it completely dedicated and separate in that way. Um, 
there's kind of like less less recourse i guess on the structuring of the transactions but for me in terms of where i am you know we're trying to get up to four properties at this time i see no need to use an llc so that that's just my perspective and then the other on that point that you mentioned the other thing there is like once you hit the point where you're going to use commercial loans anyway that's where it kind of makes sense to get an llc because you're already to the point where like you're not really going to be able to take advantage of the in your personal name loans so why not have the legal protection the other interesting thing about when loans are in the llc is they won't show up on your personal credit report Mm. so Unless somebody asks, they won't really hurt your DTI because nobody will see all the other loans other than whenever you submit like a personal financial statement. But if you apply for like a car loan or a credit card or something, they're not going to ask you for a personal financial statement. They're just going to pull your credit report and all of your loans that are in LLCs are going to be like they won't show up on your personal credit report. Mm. Yeah, that's a nice little interesting tidbit. Yeah, you still have a personal guarantee. So if you default, they'll still go after you with most of the loans. There are there are loans that are non-recourse loans, but most of the standard ones that like a small time investor is going to get into are going to be, you know, recourse loans where they can go after your personal assets if you default on the loan. Yeah, a sort of related question, Tony. Is there any difference, you know, with like the step up taxation? So if I have real estate in LLC and I uh die and want to pass it on does that does that impact things there do you know i don't actually know the answer to that yeah that that is i think i think there's some impacts there so that's something i would also just talk to a real estate professional or a that that might be why people sometimes do trusts instead of llc's which is a whole different topic because trusts Trusts provide a lot of the benefits of an LLC and then and then also additional benefits. Plus yeah. if you really if you really want to hide your assets, trusts do it even better than LLCs. So Yeah. I think we should let's stay out of the deep end on trust. So Dean had some questions about uh how do you recommend setting up LLCs? Not legal zoom. <laughs> okay. So like go just go to an attorney and have them set it up. Um, it's going to be like here in Pittsburgh, it'll be anywhere between like 500 and $800 to set up an LLC with an attorney. And then an um, yearly fee on top of that, right? For the actual LLC. Just your, what do you mean? That's, that's like the attorney's fee. And then there's also a yearly filing for your LLC, right? There's, there's a filing fee. Yeah. Um, I think that how it gets charged depends on where you set up your LLC though. Yes, it it does. So yeah. All right. So that's good guidance. You're basically paying um, five hundred for the lawyer, and then whatever your state costs on top. Yeah, I just wouldn't. You know, the legal Zoom stuff is boilerplate, and there's nobody to consult to about your own personal situation, how you want it. Um, legal Zoom's probably fine with filing the LLC with the state, but your operating agreement is what's kind of important because that covers like all the stuff where if people die, how it gets passed on, and all the different stuff. And I just think having your own attorney for that kind of thing is a lot better than just some boilerplate operating agreement. Yeah, I think uh, there's things you can cut corners on, and like, if you ever actually need your LLC docs, you're gonna wish you <laughs> you're gonna wish you spent that 500 bucks for sure. So, uh, yeah, do what you have to do, but uh, you know, uh, it's which actually, um, 
he also mentioned in his question one LLC or multiples. And that's just kind of a question of like asset protection. Like how many assets do you want to be at risk of being sued Mm -hmm. in one holding? So like I won't say it on the podcast, but my companies have a rule of like how many properties we put in each LLC until we start a new one. And that's just based on your own personal risk tolerance. Because if you make one LLC for every property, it gets exorbitantly expensive accounting wise because you're going to pay an accountant to do every tax return. And if you have like eight properties and each one's its own tax return, even if it's not a very complicated tax return, you're still going to pay even the cheapest accountant's going to charge you at least a few hundred dollars to do each tax return. So that's like a few hundred dollars out of your cash flow just to... Mm -hmm. (laughs) file taxes i guess if you're good at taxes and you want to do them yourself or something then fine but that's another area where like doing it yourself probably does not pay off (laughs) like i mean unless you are an accountant and you're an accountant that understands taxes not because there's a whole bunch of different kinds of accountants like one of my really good friends is an auditor he like prior to him taking a personal interest (laughs) what he doesn't know tax accounting or she no No, not until he took personal interest in it and started like educating himself on it. But there's all, you know, unless you're educated in that area, the tax code in the United States is unnecessarily complicated. So it's like just pay somebody to do it. (laughs) Same thing with the legal system in the United States. Like it's so stupid and complicated that it's way better just to pay somebody qualified to deal with your situation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the advice there is essentially you have to think about the trade-off of essentially cost and some operational complexity versus, you know, if you put all your properties in one LLC, then you're susceptible to uh, one big lawsuit. Wiping Uh, you out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think think we covered Dean. So what I'd like to do, because we have a very related question from Winston in D.C. uh, through Instagram, he's asking... Same question. Do you suggest setting up an LLC? But also wants to know how do you tra- how do you actually transfer assets into the business's name, and how do you set up your bank accounts? Okay, so we touched on that a little bit, but um, to prevent that commingling of funds, you really want it to have its own bank account. And to set that up, you basically just need to go to any bank, preferably the one that you get loans from, because the The banks for commercial loans really like to see deposits, so they like to see an operating account, and that helps you build a relationship with the bank, which will ultimately result in better terms for you down the road. So you probably want to just whatever bank you go to for commercial banking, um, you want to set up a business account, put it with them, that business account will cover all your expenses and everything. And then any money that you personally have to pay, like for something, like if the company doesn't have the money to cover a roof or something you're going to deposit money in as like an owner contribution so then that's gonna i think the accounting term is like it'll increase your basis in the company um but you just want to make sure that you transfer it from personal account to business account as like actually a um like an owner contribution not just like pay for it with your personal account and then deduct it from the business or whatever because you want the money to flow the right way. Mm -hmm. And for a better answer on that, you should really consult 
your accountant because I may have butchered that, but I just know that any money that you put into the business should be put in as a contribution, which increases your, your basis in the business. And then the money to actually pay for stuff should come from the business account. And then you don't, you know, you just want to make sure that it flows the right way and is documented the correct way. Or that's where you're going to get in trouble with like how the funds work and stuff. Yeah, more common is people are, you know, buying dinners with the corporate yeah. account, trying to get them as tax write-offs. But that, yeah, that's that's correct per my understanding as well. Talk to your talk to your accountant though. Uh, but it's it's pretty simple. You just talk to whatever bank. Um, like I said, preferable the bank you get loans from to build a relationship. Um, as long as it's like a local bank, I wouldn't. If it's like a Chase or something, they don't care that you have deposits with them. But if it, but if you're like working with a local bank, they do care that you have deposits with them. So I would set it up with a local bank that you plan on taking loans from one day. Yeah. And then how about have you transferred a property into an LLC before? Never from my personal name. Um, the net you should really when you purchase properties, purchase them the way that you intend to use them just because if you transfer it to an LLC, you're going to pay transfer taxes twice. You're going to pay closing costs again. You're just going to eat some money. And then there's also that whole do on sale clause thing that people talk about, which doesn't really get enforced. But, you know, but one day may be enforced. And the scenario in which it might get enforced is it doesn't seem immediately relevant, but let's say you have a bunch of loans at like 4% interest and the prevailing interest rate of the time goes up to like 9% interest, 10% interest, whatever. Let's say it goes back way up again. Well, the bank's going to look at the chart of all of their accounts and they're going to see like, hey, we have these loans that we can call the due on sale clause that are like 4% interest. Let's just call them due. And then the people are going to refinance with us because they don't have the money to do it all. Yeah. So that's a super logical thing that the bank could do. And it's all legal per their terms that you sign. So, you know, there is a scenario in which the due on sale clause could become important in the future. It just hasn't been relevant because we've been in a declining interest rate environment for how I don't since when did that start? Like the know. 80s? Yeah, the 80s. That's what I was going to say. But anyway, the point is still the same. All right. Well, that, uh, I mean, I think we we covered a lot there. So just to try and hit the high notes, uh, it sounds like for your personal, definitely for my personal, we don't use an LLC. We prefer umbrella policies. We do uh, a couple million. And essentially, we just try and have more than what we own <laughs> basically covered. Uh, and then the you you are using LLCs in some of your commercial transactions. It sounds like the primary driver there is around financing, so you're not going to get an advantageous financing anyway. And uh, when you are doing those LLCs, you try and buy the property as the LLC f for both that due on sale stuff that we just talked about, as well as just minimizing the transaction costs and the paperwork. For each LLC you have, you're going to be filing taxes, so you need to think about how many properties you want to put into each LLC, and that's really a balance of your your risk versus cost slash complexity that you have to think about. Um, that's all I got for my notes. Yeah, and just talk to 
whatever qualified lawyer lawyer and accountant that you have because while that's how we do things we could be getting poor advice from somebody and not uh <laughs> we're not professionally qualified to give you advice in this arena yeah so i'm pretty much just telling you what we do so you know outside of just our personal situation your situation could be vastly different yep yep uh all right perfect well with that tony do you have something that you learned this week i'm gonna bump it back to you oh have i ever answered first um what i learned this week is you never answer first uh i don't think so (laughs) okay fine i'll answer first here we go um so i would just say that i actually had my first example of where i called a for rent ad and i actually got a deal oh which was interesting um the ad was posted on so i didn't really call them i facebook messaged them but their ad was posted on facebook and i had met the guy two or three times maybe talk to him like in depth. I think we talked in depth like once and then he came to my meetup once and I talked to him in passing another time. But I saw he posted an ad for an apartment. It's not close to me, but it is in an area where I have another property. And um, my my sister-in-law and her husband, so I say brother-in-law, but my wife tells me that they're not technically your brother-in-law. And I'm like, I don't know this weird family tree dynamics and how they work, but whatever. Um, We've been looking to buy a property together, partly because they want to kind of learn how to do it. And also just because I like to buy properties with partners because it keeps me more motivated. Um, But yeah, I I called him. I said, hey, I know that, you know, you, uh, you listed this property for rent. I, I know that you're not like motivated to sell it, but would you sell it? And then he said, well, I guess. And he's like, we thought about listing it for this price. And I was like, that's great. And then um, he gave me his numbers and I was like, well, kind of go check it out. I went, checked it out. It looked okay. I kind of just ignored the price that he told me. I was like, whatever. But I also knew that, um, you know, he's not like when you do this kind of thing, what you need to keep in mind is that they're not really a motivated seller. So it's like they will sell, but it's not like they're soliciting for sales. So you also kind of want to balance like not lowballing them. Yeah. So I just made I just made them a fair offer and I, you know, I laid out my terms and we agreed on a price. But like it was far easier and less scary than I thought that that sort of thing would be. So I think that, you know, it was a really low, low effort for me to just like message a listing and then say, hey, would you sell your building? And then, you know, nothing happens. So it might be worth trying for people. Um, Part of what helps me, too, is that like what the learning experience is just to build a good reputation in like the community for whatever your whatever area you're investing in. Because he knew that, like, I wasn't going to wholesale it. I wasn't, like, if I did get a contract, I'm not going to jerk him around. Like, he knew that I was actually serious about buying it, not, like, some just newbie tire kicker that's going to waste his time. Yeah. So I think building a positive reputation in your area is very important. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I think maybe to piggyback what you're talking about, I learned that there's basically only six responses you get when you do a cold call like that or an outreach (laughs) it's it's yes 
I haven't heard one of those yet. No one just says yes. That sounds great. They say no. <laughs> they say no. Uh, they say maybe. They say who are you? They say how did you get my number? Or they say how much will you give me? And those are basically the only responses you ever get when you're doing outreach. So as long as you think about like kind of a a call script or a set of responses to each of those scenarios, uh, you can really manage and have a successful conversation. So. I think the other thing with those, like if you're talking to people that own these properties, like you, for instance, if you're, you know, if you send out mail and you get a live seller on the line or whatever, if they live in your area, sometimes it's useful to just say like, hey, maybe this deal didn't work up, but I'm also an investor. Would you meet up for coffee or something? Mm -hmm. Because almost all of our deals that we've ever done have come from just like relationships. I mean, even that one that I just described, like I'm not buddies with the guy, but I met up with him for I met up with him for coffee a year and a half ago. Yeah. So like he already knew who I was. So that networking, I think, is how everybody gets the best their best deals is just through knowing somebody that, you know, knowing somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, that sort of thing. Especially so in Pittsburgh, where we are, like, I feel like I hear this from out. I hear this from multiple out of state people all the time. They're like, if you're not from Pittsburgh, it's very difficult to get things done in Pittsburgh. And <laughs> I never thought I never thought of that. But then I thought about how much stuff I get done just because like, I don't know, I'm doing another deal. And a guy that I know from hockey knows the guy that's selling it. And it's just like this weird yeah. web of people. And he told me all these things that are wrong with the building that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, noted, we can go back to him for all of those. Yeah. Um, and well, he told me like why the dude's all motivated and stuff and all this like inside information that I totally didn't need to know. Um, well, it's nice to know, but like yeah. it's not something the seller would want me to know. So um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's weird. It's a small community, and I suspect it's like that pretty much everywhere. Like investing in real estate isn't something that everyone does, and when you find the tribe of people that do, it's like everyone knows everyone indirectly. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, do you have the phone number still memorized? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Uh, 8341221283666. Wow, very good. 4122128366. Yeah, so please call New in. at the mall. <laughs> please call in. Give us uh, <laughs> your name, where you're calling from and a question. You can also check us out at BeFreeRE on all the major social medias and we have BeFreeRE.com that we need to start putting some more things up on. Uh, you never know. We may pay you for your question. We may pay you for your question. We could. You never know. But we probably won't. Cabinet Jacks might, though. <laughs> yeah, this episode is brought to you by Cabinet Jacks and uh, <laughs> Chinchillas. Uh, exactly. <laughs> there you go. All right. Peace out. See you, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Man, I got to write down.